0: everybody and welcome to our next episode of the history of video gaming. Today is the return of the Odyssey. But before we start off with that, I'm here with Ben. How you doing, Ben?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Wes?
0: I'm doing pretty good. So let's start off with our uh, usual of uh, what games you've been playing recently.
1: Yeah, I've been um, playing something a little different. I've still been playing a lot of RuneScape can't <laughs> can't deny that but i feel like we've talked about that for a while <laughs> and i'm basically doing the same thing but so i still have been playing a fair amount of the avengers game like mobile game thing
0: oh yeah yeah. Uh, strike force, strike. yeah
1: strike force yeah and i'm basically like at a level now where i log in i open my like two boxes or whatever and i hit auto in 10 times and then i'm Like, that's all I can do for, like, six hours or something. (laughs) So I've been looking for another game to play when I've got, you know, a minute or two here and there. Yeah. And um, I still had downloaded a bunch of, like, Warhammer 40K games from when I was going on vacation, but I never played some of them. And I started playing this card game called Horus Heresy Legions. And I've been kind of in the mood for a card game, so it kind of, like, really worked out. And... I've tried a whole bunch, but there's just like something wrong with like everyone I try it seems. Like um <laughs> the Yu Gi Oh one, like the like the UI is like terrible. It's definitely like not good. Yeah. Uh, the Pokemon one is like definitely like four kids and <laughs> and uh it feels really weird to play and there's just something like wrong with a bunch, like magic you have to pay for, so
0: i was gonna say because magic looks really good
1: but it does like they have a mobile app but they stop supporting it so i was like well i could play this and the two expansions it has but it's not going to get a third so what's the point uh, okay but you know i like 40k and have a card game it's pretty cool and uh it's basically exactly like hearthstone <laughs> how it plays there is like a couple differences and they're all in like Ways that I really like. Like, for one thing, you get three packs a day for playing five games. Oh, fantastic. I know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, what? You might get a third of a pack in Hearthstone, right? Something like yeah. that.
0: Um, I mean, I forget how they even worked. You had to grind so much to get packs.
1: I know. It was crazy. But in this, you know, it feels like they're handing them out <laughs> and it doesn't seem to be like level based. So it's not like the further I get in, the less packs I'll make. So that's cool. And um, the other thing I really like about it is if you can imagine in Hearthstone, you've got your nine classes or whatever, and you've got a lot of classes here, but in each class, you can pick a warlord or like your hero, and they all have like different hero powers and they might be different health. They might have like different special abilities. Like it's pretty cool. I'm really kind of getting into it. (laughs) So nice. yeah, it's cool. And it's also interesting because all the warlords are like, you know the high level warhammer fighting dude so every single one has a weapon if you can imagine that it's it's not that's not what they call it but if you can imagine in hearthstone like every hero having like a base attack that they have oh
0: okay i gotcha i like interesting
1: yeah there are some really cool you know interesting sort of things they have going on with it so i just played i guess you could say it was like a tavern brawl sort of deal like a little event they had Yeah. And I had a versus like Titan and it had like five cards on the board at all time that were like the different weapons it had. It was super cool. So Yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about it. So I mean, I don't know, it might fall off (laughs) like a week from now, but (laughs) depends with card
0: games. I mean (laughs) can be hit or miss. Either you already collect everything you want and then you get a little bored or it takes you too long to collect anything.
1: Yeah i'm always worried with a game like this that the managing your deck aspect of it will just start to get too complicated once i build a big enough collection
0: right yeah it's on
1: the computer and it's like arranged in a nice way but if it's on an ipad it can be hard to go through like fifteen thousand pages of, of cards you know oh yeah i could see that being a pain especially if they don't have a good system for it yeah I'm lucky that the game just like Hearthstone limits you to 30 cards in your deck. Cause like, I think it was Pokemon. You could have as many cards as you wanted. And I hate, (laughs) I hate that. Like (laughs) I never know what I'm supposed to be doing. So yeah, it's pretty cool. um, That, uh,
0: the one where it was the gods from different Pantheons. Couldn't you make it as large deck as you wanted in that too? I think so. Yeah. Jeez. That was a while ago we were playing that one, but that was, that was a pretty good one too. I just got bored of it, but Mm -hmm can't remember what it's called. It might be
1: called Pantheon. Yeah, I should play that again. <laughs> I, I was going to say, that one's
0: actually pretty good. Too. <laughs> so if yeah. you want a computer one to check out.
1: I think, actually, I think Legions is on Steam, but I haven't checked it out yet. I just downloaded it like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Well, you know, I opened it a couple of days ago, so. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty interesting. I love the Warhammer theme, obviously. They don't have They don't have all of the Legions yet. I guess they're doing a couple of expansion, but they do have the Raven Guard, who are like my favorite. So, oh yeah, yeah. Although I don't, I don't have a Warlord yet, so I can't play them right now. But that's my goal, you know. So, it's fun. Nice, digging it. Very, very cool. And I'm winning a fair amount of games, so that's good. <laughs> that's always good. That helps. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely helps with making the game. Uh, you enjoy the game more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what
1: have you been playing, Wes?
0: Also, well, I, uh, every couple months or so, or a couple weeks, get the urge to see if I can finally make a push and actually beat a Darkest Dungeon campaign because I just always restart every time people die and <laughs> never yeah. get very far. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, one of the most recent times I played it, I played through a decent bit and got to like a higher level and like got the uh, main starting area up- upgraded a lot more than I had before. So I'm feeling it this time. I think I like. I realized that the the hardest dungeon is called the darkest dungeon in the game, and I've never actually done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> played this game for seventy hours, but uh, never actually done the darkest dungeon. So I'm getting to the point where I'm going to be able to start running that. Nice. And I'm sure everyone that I love will die. But uh, <laughs> it's been good. It, it's. I try not to look up too much, but there's like certain party compositions that just like work super well with all the different character classes. Okay. And I started doing a, like, I don't know if you'd call it a build, I guess just like a party comp that I hadn't done before, where basically, like, all of your characters have a movement skill. So no matter what their position they're in, they can do an attack that also gets them back into their regular position. Okay. And it just makes it super, like, dynamic. And there's a lot of times when the enemies, like, shuffle your whole squad's position so that nobody can do the right moves. But if you use that kind of squad, everyone can just get back where they're supposed to be
1: nice cool
0: yeah so a lot of different like gameplay things that I didn't even just playing like the first like intro 10 hours and then quitting and restarting my campaign I never really got to do all those
2: (laughs) yeah
1: yeah a game like that I'm I know has like a lot of like you could play it another hundred hours and still be like learning stuff you know
0: yeah yeah there's a ton of cool stuff to it and also I want to make sure I definitely have to beat it before uh Darkest Dungeon 2 releases
1: oh when's that that going out
0: I th- I don't know if they've given a date. They just uh, teased, like, a snowy mountain in a title. So it's probably still pretty far off.
1: I just saw um, a couple trailers for other games we know that might be coming out, like um a new Mountain Blade game I saw a trailer for.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Not the the one that's been in development or a different one?
1: I think it has been in development for, like, years.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, War Banner, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think there was another game too, but I forget what it was. But that's another that mountain like blade one. one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the mountain blade one, if it ever comes out, looks real, real good. I saw um one of their dev videos, like a couple months back, you could like put together like a hilt and a handle and a blade to make your own weapon. And then you can name it. Okay. Which I feel like would just be fantastic. And mountain blade adds to like the ridiculousness of them. Um, like this super strong guy killing everybody with this sword that I made and named. yeah (laughs) so i'm super hyped for that off to see uh see if there's any more news on it but yeah darkest dungeon pretty much uh what i've been playing for now
1: nice you want to get into our special topic because i think it's another i mean kind of building off of last week's
0: (laughs) yes yeah and we had uh mentioned before but yeah let's get right into it
1: yeah so um today marks the first episode of 1975 so welcome to that we'll talk about it more in the second half or we go through the timeline but in order to celebrate the end of 1974 wes and i have picked some of our favorite games from 1974 and also some of our least favorite games and we're going to share them with you guys so if you want a, like a quick rundown of what you should be looking for hopefully this is that so why don't we start with our least favorite wes why don't you start
0: all right and i know we were talking about guesses for favorites but uh do you think you have a guess for what my least favorite is
1: This is, I feel like this is a hard one. I'm not quite sure what, what it might be. Maybe Mm. like bulls and (laughs) cleats right on the money. Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And part of that I'm sure is a recency effect and just that it's still fresh in my mind how much I didn't like that game. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, bulls and cleats was, I only picked one least favorite and that was my number one least favorite of 74.
1: Do you want to uh, uh, like describe to the people why it's uh, so bad? <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. I will get into it. I do feel like it uh, might be a little unfair because I'm still not sure if it's like designed to be a game for fun or if they're just like, hey, look, <laughs> a computer can do this. And it's like, quote unquote, a game. Yeah. But it's just like definitely not my thing. Like number, guessing, letter, number and symbol sequences that don't even have to be words or <laughs> have like any significant meaning. Yeah. And then just like drawing up based on the scores that you get back and being like, well, I have at least this many letters right and this many letters that are wrong, but are still in the word. And really, not my type of game, yeah. <laughs> basically, is what it comes down to. I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it's, you, you can kind of equate it to Sudoku, but I could play a little bit of Sudoku and have fun with it. But like sitting down there and being like, all right, I'm going to figure out how to beat this computer at Bolts and Cleots. I don't know.
1: yeah i feel like i feel like sudoku has a strategy to it and this is like i'm just guessing (laughs) yeah or at
0: least when i play it like i'm sure there are people who have the strategy down and like if not for that game because i don't know if anyone still plays in bulls and cleats but like a similar type game i'm sure there's strategy but like i'd get so bored halfway through that i'd just be like typing random stuff in there
2: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't blame you
0: all right, so then let's uh, go over to you. What do you think? Or what's uh, your least favorite? Well, what, do you, th- what do you think, Wes? Uh, hmm, I feel like it's got to be something very similar to Bulls and
1: Cleats, like Button. Button. It's a fair yeah. guess, but it's not correct. Okay. The worst game I played by far was Space Sim. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Released uh, March of 74. I mean, to be fair, it was, like, one of the first FPS games, if not the first, ever made. So, it was trying really hard to be something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I played this game for, like, three hours. And basically what the game is, it's a it's a first-person spaceship sort of game. You're flying through the universe. Your goal is to, like, find an enemy base and destroy it and then protect your own base at the same time. And, uh, I never found an enemy base. I never found another (laughs) star system because I was like, I spent like three hours just trying to figure out how to pilot the spacecraft and it was overly complicated to the point of it being unplayable. So right. Yeah. It was not good. (laughs) I would say unplayables right up there was not good. So yeah, it has to be space sim.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And you could at least play the other one by that developer a little bit.
1: Yeah, like Button and also, um, what was the other one? Beyond Bagels. Beyond
0: Bagels, yeah. Yeah,
1: they're just like other guessing games, but at least you can figure out what's going on in like 15 minutes and be like, okay, this this sucks and I know it now, but it's not like you're three hours in and you're like, I feel like I need to push on because I haven't even done half of the game mechanics yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's brutal.
1: It was no good. So hopefully it's the worst one. That I will ever have to play in the in the timeline, but somehow I doubt that.
0: Yeah, I don't, you don't want to jink yourself on that one, but <laughs> we can be optimistic.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, let's move into our top three favorites. So, hmm, let me see what might be in your top three. I hope Tanks in there somewhere. Okay. I hope Maze Wars in there. And yeah, I'm gonna go with those two guesses right now. But why don't we start with your number three? See if I can right. leave them.
0: Sounds good. And I will leave the suspense on of whether or not uh you got any of the right ones there. Mm-hmm. But so my number three for my uh, favorite games was Clean Sweep by Ramtech
1: Oh cool. Wow. Yeah, I know I knew you said you loved that one, but um Yeah, I didn't think it would make top three.
0: <laughs> and I and I don't know what it is about it. Uh released in May of seventy four. But for some reason, even though it's really simple and I don't know exactly what it is, about why I like it. It's definitely number three on my list. Uh, I feel like something about the brick breaking style of game and that, like, this was one of the originators of that
2: mm-hmm. was
0: really nostalgic to me because I feel like I played a lot of those on, uh, like, web versions. I forget what right. you call it, like, flash games.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, usually, like, Monkey Bloons or whatever. If they had, I forget if they had a brick breaking, but whatever the balloon type game was. But something about it, yeah. And even though the controls were a little janky and it was kind of hard to, play on the version i played because i was flying all over the screen with the paddle i still think it was a lot of fun and just the fact that it had like a high score and different levels kind of gives you the aspect of like all right one more one more i can do better um, Yeah. and it was one of the few that i like really i didn't spend a ton of time playing it but i was like oh yeah i can do like a couple rounds more than just like what i needed to to be able right. to talk about it yeah so yeah yeah i really enjoyed it it was a good
1: one It just reminds me of like a game that has one of those like formulas about it that it seems like is timeless, you know, like we see those games today and people still love them, so. Right. Yeah, I feel like
0: in like free games or like mobile games, like Brick Breaker is still like such a huge thing.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So, all right. And then I guess if we're doing a little trade off of going through our. Top three. I should guess what's in yours.
1: Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> this is hard I, to be honest. I feel
0: like I know Grand Track Ten is going to be in there.
2: Oh well, maybe
0: not. Because then there's also Speed Race. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to say Speed Race and maybe even Grand Track Ten. Both in there. Those are. That's all I got right now. It's. it's it is kind
1: of hard to narrow it down. Yeah, I mean, they're fair guesses. I think my number three is going to surprise you for sure, though. All right. Yeah, it kind of surprised me. But one of the ones that I look back on and I'm like, wow, that was like such a cool game is Basketball by Taito.
0: Oh, yeah. In our
1: first uh, 1974 episode. And I don't know what what about it. It's maybe it's just like remembering back to it. I just have like fond memories of it for some reason. But it was the first game to have human sprites and they look cool and I was like, Man, it's good to see a human in one of these games <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, and I'm a big fan of basketball and I liked how it was basically Pong, but you had to get the ball up through the net, you know? It wasn't just like touching the net or, you know, just hitting a side of a screen, but I actually had to go through like a little hoop thing and I was like, right. Oh, that's basketball and uh I also liked how there was constant gameplay because as soon as it went in it just kept going you know
0: yeah you didn't have to wait for it to reset in the middle and hit serve or whatever
1: yeah so i don't know what about it there's just something like nostalgically cute about it for to me i don't know yeah
0: <laughs> um, no like, i get what you're saying
1: yeah it's like an all really old kind of bad looking game but in like a way that's like oh what a cool game <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> So that was a hard one that a couple of games, you know, were in there for my number three, but I felt like you probably weren't going to pick basketball for good right. reason. And I was like, you know what? We're going to put it in there.
0: <laughs> it definitely deserves a little bit of recognition. And I did look over that for a bit and I was like, you know, that was pretty fun and interesting, but
1: was I think of all the Pong clones of 74, I think that's the best one other than than wipe out which is basically elimination and i brought that up in the last episode so right yeah otherwise i wouldn't recommend any other one i don't think
0: no not flim plan didn't make my list
1: <laughs> how, how could <laughs> that be <laughs> uh what did make your list Wes? what's your number two
0: all right well let's go on to one that you definitely guessed and that's tank Key oh is yeah. for my number two i knew uh, it came out <laughs> it kind of had to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> I came in November '74, and it was a commercial success. And this is one that I didn't even really get to play at all, but just watched other people playing it. And it just looks so fun. And I feel like it's such like a classic sort of thing. And I feel like with a lot of these, like you were talking about with basketball, nostalgia kind of plays a big part into it. Mm-hmm. And I kept equating it to the We Play Tanks game. Yeah, which I played like loads of hours with my friends when they would like come over and hang out. And that one's a little bit different because it's cooperative, but you're competing for score. But just the idea of like two tanks duking it out in a video game. This one kind of felt like the or the grandfather of the we play tanks game. So I really loved that. And going into it, I had all that nostalgia with it. And just everything else about it, like the sounds, the simple visuals, but the cool tank sprites and the gameplay, they all kind of just meld together in a way that I thought worked really well for the game and made it just kind of like a classic arcade game.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's definitely a reason why it sold so well. (laughs) Right. Um, It's just because it's a good game. Like any kind of like, you know, get you and your buddy in the same room and trying to shoot each other. It's like going to be a good time. I think
0: yeah, bound to be a hit. Yeah. And they just kind of kept it simple, did it well, added a few interesting things like walls and mines. And it was like, just enough to be like, all right, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my number two. I think I'm still striking out for guessing yours. What's uh, your number two, Ben?
1: Well, I think you're not going to be striking out for very long, Wes. Because <laughs> <laughs> my number two is Grand Track 10. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> i mean you knew it i knew it Uh, (laughs) so this came out in may of 74 and it's basically a top-down race track type game where you it really feels more like an rc car kind of going around the course but what was really cool about it was you had the wheel peripheral and you had the accelerator and all that stuff for the first time so That was really, really cool. And it was like a true like race car with oil slicks on the track and, you know, trying to get as far as you can on the track in as fast a time as possible. So I don't know. It just like it had all the spirit of a core racing game. And I don't know. I just there's something about it that I, I really enjoyed. Again, I think it's a bit nostalgic in a way where, you know, it's kind of you're not expecting much from it but it kind of gives you more than you were expecting which is really really cool so yeah grand track 10
0: what do you think wes it's awesome and just hearing you talk about it i knew how excited you were about it so i I figured it had to make the list somewhere yeah and (laughs) i
1: mean it was a hit with other people too as we know just because it's like had i don't know how many spinoffs but i think we covered maybe five or six right
0: (laughs) it's incredibly popular (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't don't know it just it had like an arcadey feel to it which i think really helped it it wasn't just you know pure realism or something it had a very fun sort of laid back feel which i think helped it a lot
0: yeah it feels like something you can play in a cabinet in an arcade
1: right which is what it was meant to do so exactly (laughs) Uh,
0: i think we should go to number
1: one Yeah,
0: that sounds good to me. And mine, I don't think you said it, which uh, surprises me a little bit. Oh, it's not Maze War. It is not Maze War, no. It is, because I love space, Star Trader. Ooh. In January 74 is when this one came out. Uh Oh. Uh, Just for a quick refresher, it was basically just a sort of text game. did have a map where it kind of showed you where the planets were, but not really any graphics there. But you just managed a couple different ships and you went against somebody else who was managing ships, trading between planets and seeing who could make the most money. And definitely a lot of it is just because I like space games. Like, (laughs) I'm not gonna say like this is the best game, but just something about it I really like. And that it's like this thing that's so core to all space sims now to have like that trading aspect. Mm -hmm. And this really does it pretty well. And even though trading isn't like my favorite part of space sims, just the fact that it's sort of like the originator of a lot of that and it executed it well. You had like six different elements and like simulated supply and demand kind of stuff going on. So it was nice that it was dynamic and while it was complicated, I felt like it was simple enough that I could get a hold of what I needed to do with my different ships and how to trade and get into it pretty quickly though I didn't get a chance to actually try playing it multiplayer I think that would also be pretty cool to have this sort of like competitive trading company sort of a right. <laughs> game going on to see who can make the most money with your friend yeah and yeah yeah just again just space you know I'm a sucker for space <laughs>
1: hey that's uh, alright
0: it was it, it was a a fun game and I think it's cool that it laid the foundation for a lot of the space sim trading kind of stuff
1: yeah it seems like it had the core of what made all of your other, you know, games that you love to play that came out later. It like had that, you know, same soul in it. So,
0: right. And it got a lot of it like, right. in like, what was probably one of the first incarnations of a game, right? Yeah. Base trading kind of game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was just just very impressed by it, but let's go over and, uh, hear what your number one was after that big surprise. I
1: know. (laughs) I didn't think that, but, um, I shouldn't shouldn't have been surprised by that. (laughs) So you guessed my number one. It's Speed Race. Oh, okay. I knew it. By Taito. And uh, the reason why this game is so good is it makes you feel like you're going fast. Like really fast. You know, like 120 miles an hour fast. (laughs) Which, you know, Grand Track 10, for all the arcadey funness it has, it doesn't make you feel like you're going very fast. Right. You know, there's a lot of really tight turns and stuff. But on this game, it has endless scrolling graphics. So if you can go faster, you know, the cars from the top of the screen are going to slowly come towards you. But if you go faster and faster, they'll just keep popping down like faster and faster. And you can go as fast as you can go. So (laughs) it just, you know, it had a a lot of really cool technology innovations for the time, but also used those innovations in a way that made sense for the game that they were making which is you know sometimes the opposite of what ends up happening but (laughs) right
0: you're not shoehorning the technology into a like game type or a genre where it doesn't make sense like the scrolling graphics fit like perfectly with a racing game
1: exactly so (laughs) i i really enjoyed that and thought not only is this a big hint of what's to come but as a core game itself it's still fun it's still the perfect type of arcade game where you could get in and uh see how much farther you can get than your friends so right and it still had the wheel peripherals and the accelerator and all that stuff so it still felt like a really you know unique and somewhat real uh racing game so yeah that one to me there's nothing like going really really fast in a speeding you know speed <laughs> racing game so
0: yeah yeah i feel like that was a pretty easy pick it's kind of what i figured it was it was for the other stuff we were viewing at the time it just seemed like it did what it needed to do perfectly
1: yeah before we go on to the timeline did you have any like honorable mentions you wanted to say cuz i i kept going in between like I, I i wanted to say baseball but to be honest i still don't think that came out in 74 <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's like, right yeah, because probably it was shouldn't. like
0: crazy good
1: Yeah, it is crazy good. I would definitely recommend people play it, but I was like, I still don't think this probably came out. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't want to say it. And then Maze War, I was like, oh, could throw that in there. one would. Maze War was good,
0: yeah. And I think part of the reason I didn't, maybe it didn't click with me or I didn't remember it as well, is because the version I played was sort of like a newer interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. So like not getting to play the original might have kind of thrown me for a loop. But now that I think about it more, it was like a very playable and cool fps and like contested for the first fps so that's definitely an honorable mention and i mean possibly could have been or should have been included on the list
1: (laughs) yeah well i mean it it kind of reminds me of tank in a way because it's a multiplayer shooter but i feel like tank is a lot more arcadey and more of like a complete experience than mazor which even though it was complete still kind of i think probably felt a little bit like a tech demo in some ways you know
0: right yeah i could see that yeah i'm not sure i think it was in 74 that they had the multiplayer capability but depending on when it became like eight player multiplayer too i think that helps out a lot
1: yeah so yeah those are some of the best games be sure to check them out all from 1974 we're about to go into 75 so why don't we talk about that more after our little music thing So getting into 1975, that's going to be a crazy year, Wes. I just want to tell you ahead of time, (laughs) there's a lot of really cool brand new games and brand new, um, what do you call it?
0: Consoles and,
1: uh, mechanics. Oh, that's what I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) So a, a lot of brand new mechanics and, um, yeah, there's going to be quite a lot here. I covered, In my research, about 150 games, including the console games. Whereas with 1974, I think it was around 90. So quite a bit more that we've got to cover. I don't know how many episodes it'll be yet, but it'll be quite a few. And I thought before we get into 75, now would be a good time to just sort of remind people of the research process a little bit. We like to be really, really thorough here on our podcast, and we cover a lot of games but there are always some games that are kind of what I would consider to be gray area games. I've talked about this before a little bit, but I just want to give a quick mention since we're starting a new year, that every time I do research, there are games where I'm not sure are they video games or are they electromechanical, and if I have a feeling like they're stronger one way or the other, I'll put them in that place, and we don't cover electromechanical games, so... Just know if you are out there doing your own research and you don't see one, that might be why. I also try to not put in games that were only ever prototypes or released as prototypes. You know, We might know that a certain game existed, but if it was never sold, in my opinion, it's not going to go on our list. And then a third thing that has come up a couple times has been games that I've only found on a single source, and usually it's only got like maybe a newspaper clipping or something like that as reference and if there's only one source for it you know sometimes if i think okay maybe that did exist i'll put it on our list but other times i think maybe this is just like a prototype naming of something else that came out later that is on the list or there could just be a ton of different reasons why a game that has very 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 little information might not actually be real so I include a lot of games on our list that are very small and don't have any information other than maybe a picture, but there are games that I think this is just, there's not enough to go off of to make me feel like this is actually a real game that came out. So just want everybody to know that. I wouldn't worry if your favorite game came out in 75, we are going to cover it. Like (laughs) I'm 99% sure, unless you own a cabinet, which is the only cabinet that was ever sold, you know? Then we're going to cover it. So don't worry too much. I just wanted to give a quick PSA about what we do and What the next year is going to involve so I think with that we'll jump right into the games The first one I have here is actually kind of a retcon of 74 (laughs) Because you know you do a bunch of research and you're like, oh man, I missed a game. I think uh, (laughs) this one is called ricochet by allied leisure and some of my sources said it was 75 so it's not all on me but it probably came out in 74 like I, th- I think i even seen one or two sources say 73 so you know it probably came out in 74 but it's basically a pong doubles clone that was for international releases so you know nothing too important or interesting but yeah that probably came out in 74. And then we've got the first game that I attempted to review. I should say I didn't review any games on this episode. But to be fair, I sp- have spent like the last twenty-four hours researching. Like that's not not a joke. So <laughs> no, yeah, that's um, an accuracy podcast. Yeah. Spent. <laughs> I finished nineteen seventy-five like four hours ago. So just give me a break, people. <laughs> um, but. We do have cool games we'll talk about. And Wes definitely rated some. So I was going to try to rate these ones. Unfortunately, I couldn't get the programs to run. Basically, they're two basic games that are from a different magazine called Creative Computing. So I don't know if it's like a rival to People's Computer Company, but I don't think it is because I think the People's Computer Company authors and stuff are also some of the authors on this. So maybe it's just a second newsletter or magazine for whatever reason but i checked out the first volume actually came out in november and december of 74 so i checked that one out and i also checked out volume two which was january and february of 75 and most of the games that are included in there are just like remakes of other basic games like chomp and number and life you know some other games that we've covered before but there were two unique ones that i thought oh these are kind of cool one was a game called depth charge and it kind of reminded me of like a 3d battleship type game where you're kind of having to guess in a big grid where a ship might be. But then in addition to just like, you know, coordinates that are like X and Y, you also have like a depth cause you're actually trying to hit a submarine. So it's like, how deep do you want to go? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So it kind of remind me of battleship a little bit, but unlike battleship, If you miss, it actually tells you, oh, it's actually to your west. (laughs) Or, you know, it's actually deeper than you attempted. So you get hints along the way, and that kind of makes it feel a lot more like a game like uh, Snark or Hunt the Wampus or something like that, where you're kind of just looking or guessing where this thing that you're trying to hit is. And so I, I think it takes away some of the difficulty and enjoyment of it, even. So I didn't think it was very interesting but uh it is unique so I wanted to mention it and then we have another game called magic square and I don't know if you know what magic squares are Wes, but there's some like I don't know. they're like a a mathematical sudoku type thing it's not a game it's more of like a prime numbers or something where like there's a a certain amount of combinations where like oh I found a new magic square you know and it all worked out or whatever so People are discovering magic squares all the time or making them. But in this, basically, your goal is to make a magic square, but you put in a number and then the computer puts in a number. And the computer somehow knows to only put in a number that could make a magic square. So the thing is, can you take what the computer is giving you and finish off the magic square, or will you put in a number that won't work and then you lose the game?
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, so very similar in that sense to a sudoku kind of game
1: yeah it's kind of like sudoku but like as if the computer is putting in some of the numbers for you right. or i guess i mean even sudoku you start with a bunch of numbers so yeah
0: depending on the i mean the, a lot of the easier difficulties to have like a decent bit of the numbers filled in
1: yeah i will say like this one's a little different because you might choose a number and then the computer chooses something that you weren't thinking of and then you're like oh well now what's what am i gonna do so right. it's a little different but you know, it's another kind of mathematical based puzzle game, but I would say this one, I think is a little bit more interesting. It's a little bit more complicated, but it's definitely better than like a number guessing game. So right um, (laughs) again, I wanted to play this one, but I don't know how to code. Um, that's, you know, I'm a musician, so uh, (laughs) gotta give me a break on that. (laughs) And, you know, we have code for this, but if other people don't type them up and make them like all nice to work with our current day. What is it called? Basic. I don't even know the word for it, but what you used to run. Or- what, yeah. What you used to run the programs with like long. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. If they don't like do that for me, it's really hard for me to do it. Cause I did it and I get all these errors, like syntax error on line 74. And I'm like, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, it could be anything, you know? So
0: <laughs> quoting Scotty and saying, uh, I'm not a coder. I'm a musician. Damn it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, those are a couple of the Creative Computing newsletter games, and uh we'll see a couple more from them. It's a you know another interesting newsletter that really tries to teach people how to code. I think that was the whole point of it, or how to mm. do their own things. And basically, they had a lot of like competitions where people would submit their own what is it called code and stuff. Right. So, And they also have a lot of games that we've seen before, but they're like, oh, you can use this function to save this many lines of code, you know? So it's a very educational base, but every now and then we'll see them pop up in a unique sort of way. So, yeah. Uh, Wes, you want to move us into our our next one? uh,
0: Let's get on to one of the ones that I was able to review, not actually play, but watch a couple of videos of people playing this one. And this is an arcade cabinet called Sportorama, which was released by United Billiards or their sub-gaming division called uh, United Games Incorporated. And this one, uh, it, the year is uncertain, but it's likely to have come out in early 75 or I think late 74. And just another thing that was cracking me up when I was reading the flyer for this, because that's where we got a lot of the information, is that it states, even experts can never truly master this game. (laughs) So they really had a a high opinion. They used that line a little bit later to sell. They they said, uh, the longer it's in your store, the more people will come and the more money you will make, which... Feel like it's a big statement, but maybe it was true. Who knows?
1: I feel like we're gonna see a lot of those because I in my research I remember seeing one that I like almost cracked up about because it was it was like a graph and it was like a normal game and it showed like this peak at the beginning and then it goes downhill, you know, as it gets older. Yeah. And it's like our game, it's like a straight line at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god. No marketing at its finest. <laughs> no
0: holding back. Yeah, no X or Y axis numbers on there. Just trust that yeah. it makes you tons of money. <laughs> <laughs> but so Sportorama is a basically a Pong clone cabinet. It's two to four players, and it does have four different game modes that you can play on it. But the most notable difference on this cabinet from other Pong clones is that it has what they call the attack button that kind of teleports your paddle onto the opposing player's side of the screen because on this cabinet, you can only move vertically, like in a lot of the Pong clones, instead of where you can also do the horizontal movement. Or, no, you can do horizontal movement, but you can't cross the center line. So the attack button lets you jump onto their side, and they quote it as, a uh, play the offensive. And they use this in their attack game mode, which is basically Pong, except you can hold down the button to teleport to their side and hit the ball onto the, uh, into the goal a little faster. And also in another game mode called Karate, where you can use the attack button to somehow hit the other player's paddle. And when you do, the ball gets sent through the paddle. But I didn't see a video of that one, so I'm not too sure what they meant by chopping the opponent's paddle.
1: (laughs) Who knows?
0: (laughs) Who knows? It was somehow different than the regular attack game mode, but it used the same button. And then the other two game modes that they had on this were just the typical tennis and hockey game modes that you see on a lot of these and neither of them used the attack button so that people could also play those versions if they wanted. As far as I know, I think the owner would have to manually change the game mode that's set on the cabinet, uh, but I'm not positive about that. And that was basically it. The attack game mode is kind of what made the big difference to this. So for my ratings, for the graphics, I gave it just a 1 out of 10. It just kind of has the very simple, normal... Pong graphics, a black background with the white lines, ball and paddle on it. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to see what it looked like when you played four player, but as far as I could tell, or my best guess is that it would be a horizontal line similar to Flim Flam, where it was kind of two players on one team. It is interesting, though, that the cabinet seems I mean, it's a fairly large cabinet, but all of the controls are jammed in the front, so you'd really be shoulder to shoulder if you were playing four people at once on the cabinet and for the sound i gave it just a 1 out of 10 it has the typical buzzes as far as i could tell from the video i saw it was pretty much identical to the pong noises from a regular pong cabinet but for gameplay i did think it did a pretty good job i gave it a 3 out of 10 even though it's simple and it's kind of uh sounds a little gimmicky i think the attack button does a good job of adding a new twist to the pong sort of gameplay but also allowing it to be more of a skill-oriented twist because i feel like a lot of the games like flim flam or when you're talking about like the odyssey versions of tennis the main twist was like hey you can make the ball move randomly yeah (laughs) with odyssey i guess you could put the english on it and actually you can decide where the ball moves but that didn't seem It just seemed weird. And Flim Flam, it just kind of like changed speed and direction. You're like, okay, that's different than than Pong, but like, I don't know if I'm really helping or hurting myself. But with this, you had to sort of weigh the trade-off between offense and defense, because when you're holding down the attack button, you don't have a paddle on your side of the screen because it's teleported to the other side. So you're just full offense then, and you can kind of play defense there, but you have to let go of the button real fast and get your paddle back if the ball starts flying onto your side of the court. So it is nice that there's sort of a trade-off, and if you got used to switching really quickly or knowing like, hey, I can push at this moment, go on the offense, hit it into his thing, and then there's zero risk of it going back into my side, I could really see it being a twist on Pong that actually lets you develop more skill. Maybe experts would be able to master it contrary to what it says on the flyer but <laughs> i do think it le- allows for a larger kind of a curve of skill that you can get on the cabinet and for relevance i gave it a 3 out of 10 i think it's a unique innovation on traditional pong but i've never really heard of sportorama it didn't seem like this title in specific was uh very popular i don't want to rate it just on what i've heard because i don't <laughs> know a lot about early cabinets but i think in general probably it was probably Fairly relevant, but not a huge groundbreaking game. But I also did think it was neat that it had four different, quote unquote, different games on the same cabinet, which I feel like is a decent bit for a lot of the cabinets that we saw at that time. And for my overall rating for this, I gave it a 3 out of 10. I think it's a pretty good Pong clone, and the new gameplay element really does make it feel fun and skill based, but it's not a huge improvement or anything totally revolutionary in the ball and paddle sort of game style. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all I had for it. It it was an interesting one. I was surprised because reading all the stuff about the attack button, I thought it was just going to be some lame like gimmick, which I guess it kind of is, but at least it seems like you could have a decent bit of fun with this gimmick.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I remember before handing it off to you, I was like, like in my research before I saw the YouTube videos, I thought, oh, this is just another boring sort of pawn clone. But when I saw the YouTube videos, I was like, oh, this actually looks pretty good. As you were saying, like, it's definitely a very skill-based kind of mechanic in a good way, I think. So,
0: Right. Yeah. It, it feels like, I mean, I, I don't know how it feels to play it, but it looked like it was like a really helpful or like interesting addition, not just the ball randomly goes in a different direction.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which we've seen quite a few of those
0: yeah it's like I
1: I, I get what you're going
0: for but I don't know if you're really helping
1: (laughs) (laughs) moving on from that I'm going to cover a couple clones because I kind of just grouped a couple of these clones together that all came out in the early 75 you know first three months of 75 I'll say somewhere in there and I just kind of grouped them all up because I don't want to spend that long on, on any of them so just to go through them we've got TV Flipper by Midway this was a TV pinball clone which we covered I think last episode. It's kind of like a brick breaking game. We also have Hodgepodge, which is a great name. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's by Project Support Engineering, which also early 75 was clone of Elimination by Key Games. Why were they cloning that like 3 years later? I don't know, but <laughs> they <laughs> they went for it. You also have a race by Sega. And that was a clone of Clean Sweep by Ramtech, which Wes talked about earlier in this episode. So they're getting in on that hype. And then we also have two games: Video Pong and Video Pong Sports Combo by Video Play International. Which wow, they used a lot of videos in there.
0: They did, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: basically, Video Pong was three games. And Video Pong Sports Combo was five games on one console. And they just had like the same three games as the first one. So (laughs) three of the five. So I just kind of grouped them together. But I mean, you've got your basic clones in here. You've got, you know, your tennis, your hockey, your um, like soccer versions. But one of the cooler ones I thought was they have a one player version, which is basically, and we're going to start seeing this a lot, actually. The one-player version is just there's a either a dotted line on the opposite side that you're trying to hit the ball through, but because there's a dotted line it's a little harder and then you just don't want the ball to hit your side or else you lose a point. Or there's a big solid wall out a little bit from the back. So you kind of have to go around the edges, hit the ball like, in behind the back of that wall, which will then bounce off the back of the wall and then through the edge of the screen. So that's kind of like what the one-player version is. It's not an actual AI that's, like, versing you. They're just static objects, and you're trying to shoot around them. But it also had a clean sweep style game. So I thought that was interesting to have in a cabinet that already had a bunch of Pong clones. So, yeah. It's a better one, I would say, than some of these other clones
0: shows that the clean sweep kind of sort of break uh well not break out that's not out yet but the sort of a uh, brick breaking style were popular and also i think it sounds like that's similar the one player you were talking about similar to some of the hole in the wall games that we looked at with the 74 consoles except just a one player version so it's interesting that that's sort of sticking around in all these different iterations
1: right yeah definitely
0: and so the next honorable mention that we have is Dodgeball and Dodgem by Atari and Key Games. That was in January 24th of 75. Actually, I have a day there. That doesn't happen often. I know. Um, these were probably never released, though, but they were listed on Atari's internal documents.
1: Yeah. And Atari actually is going to start keeping really good records of their stuff. So basically Thank all goodness. Atari games of 75, we've got exact dates for Although, this one's weird <laughs> because they didn't really come out with it. So. Right, and we have a date
0: for it, but it didn't ever yeah. get released.
1: Apparently, like there's no physical evidence of them, so we don't even know how it played. But the one thing I do know about it is that Dodgeball was the Atari one and then Dodgem was the key games. And they were supposed to be slightly different games, but I don't think <laughs> it either came out. So after that, we've got Pursuit, which is the other one I tried to review this episode. <laughs> But um, unfortunately, there's no emulation for it, so I couldn't play it, and I couldn't find any video of it either, which is weird because it's by Atari and Key Games, and you would think someone would have it, and so... Yeah. What's up with that, people? <laughs> but this one came out in January 31st of 75, and it's a dog fighting game where planes would appear on the screen, and then you had to move your crosshair over them and shoot them down. And... Even though we don't have any video of this, I'm pretty sure that the crosshair was either static or even an overlay. And you kind of moved the whole camera so that the, the plane was straight, in, that you were trying to shoot was straight in front of you, and then shoot. So, it was from a first-person perspective, which is kind of interesting. And, um, you know, I think having the kind of 360 degree, like, viewpoint was also kind of interesting. Um, Although you weren't like moving like you were like in 3d space or something. So it felt more like a turret kind of game like in the uh, star Wars or something. <laughs> right.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting down the TIE fighters.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's right. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. I will say the planes that you shot down, at least on the fire looked decent. So can't complain. There. Interesting. Yeah. And then the other one we've got here is robot by allied leisure. This is a rebounder volleyball type game, so your paddles are on the ground, and the uh, you're trying to like hit them, hit it of the ball up over a net to your opponent's side, and just kind of physics so that the ball always wants to go down towards you. But the reason why it's called robot is there's an AI mode to it, which I think volleyball already and rebound are very hard games so i imagine the ai would probably kill you <laughs> pretty easy <laughs> but what was even more interesting was they had a display mode for this game where two ais would reverse each other which is, seems pretty advanced honestly for the time so that's pretty interesting i thought
0: yeah a i wonder how well it uh they actually kept the game going because that was especially in older point. games like well yeah it'd be funny if it just Bounced on the ground, but <laughs> I know in older games, especially, you know, there's always the like when there was menu screens, it went idle, it showed like the game playing for a little bit before you went back to the menu screen, right? So yeah, like, that kind of thing of like the game being played as a demo is like very popular.
1: Yeah, especially because um, a lot of like local stores will put them in their window displays so that people walking right. by can see, but um. I Yeah, I can't imagine how good they were. I imagine that they probably had larger paddles and maybe moved yeah. semi-randomly because I feel like any harder AI than that seems kind of unlikely for the time.
0: But, yeah, yeah, it seems real early for that, so I'm interested about how well they actually did. <laughs>
1: yeah, unfortunately, there was no emulation on that one either, so I couldn't check it out, but let's move into some other things that we were able to check out. But first, we got a couple... Couple a couple mentions. more honorable
0: mentions yeah. before we get into that. So next we have a couple like speed race by Taito clones. First one is Racer by Midway in February of '75, and then Wheels by Wheels Racer in uh, March of '75.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I totally or is that, that a out. a
0: that's sequel by Midway?
1: It's or? like uh, other people call it that. Like some sometimes it's called Wheels, and sometimes Wheels it's called or wheels, wheels Racer.
0: Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Okay, and that's another one by Midway, I think. Mm -hmm. And those were both, as I said, speed race clones of Taito. One had a bigger cabinet, and the other one just had an optional seat attachment.
1: Which is probably pretty nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, after standing up and playing all those racing games, I I wonder (laughs) if that was a a big hit. (laughs) And then next up, we have Hot Shot by Micro and Super UBI Cocktail Table by uh, United Billiards Incorporated in 75 and those are both just Pong clone variants or something along those lines but we don't really have much info on those at all and next up getting to the namesake of the episode the return of the Odyssey and one that I was actually able to play a version of we have the Odyssey 100 console Woo! and yay another Odyssey is <laughs> what I wrote in my notes but it actually is a little exciting to see them coming back and seeing what they're able to do with it and in doing a little bit of research on this, it was kind of Ralph Baer's attempt to see if he could go back to sort of the original vision he had of a cheaper and simplistic home console. The system itself is kind of hilarious. It's like this orange and it looks like the 70s imagination of like space age technology. Oh yeah! Uh, shiny stickers and the font that says Odyssey is awesome. But interestingly, it didn't have detachable controllers or separate controllers like the older odyssey did uh this one just on the console sort of diagonally on the bottom two corners on each side there's three knobs that the players would use and one of the knobs is for horizontal movement of the paddle one is for vertical and the other one is to move the ball around uh basically put the english on it
1: oh yeah gotta keep that around
0: <laughs> got it. it's the odyssey staple <laughs> and there is no on-score scre- or on-screen score scoring, which I wrote in all caps, because in an effort to make it cheaper, I think, the way you score is literally a sticker that has a bar with scores on it in the center of the console, and these little plastic arrows that you move up manually every time you score a point.
1: Oh, yeah. At least which they are within support. reach, right?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. It's in the middle of the console, and it probably worked, and... I guess if it made the console cheaper and they were able to pump it out because of that, maybe a good decision. It seems a little funny now, but at the time, might have made sense. And then also it did have a, a knob in the to center the line on the screen, I guess if it got uncentered or you could move it around, and then another one to adjust the speed of the ball in the game. And one thing that I thought was really cool, which I don't think we've seen in a home console, but I could be wrong, is that it? Actually, had sounds originating from the console itself. So it made beeping sounds when you were playing all the pong-like games that were on this.
1: Yeah, the uh the Video Master from last episode did have sound. Okay, okay, but uh, it's still like the second to have sound and um, right.
0: And on a home console, you'd have to think that's pretty groundbreaking, or it yeah. seems like it's pretty groundbreaking.
1: It's definitely like uh, one of those where with the on-screen scoring, where you're like, it's got to have it by now.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's magical. (laughs) And just another interesting tidbit, uh, the chipsets that were made for this console were actually created by Texas Instruments, which I know for me, I always just think of the calculators, but they were doing other stuff at the time too. (laughs) (laughs) And so for the gameplay, there were two games on the system. And another difference from the original Odyssey is that this one didn't have cartridges. It was just the console that came with the two games. And those were the typical pong kind of games you see and it was tennis and hockey and uh in the typical odyssey quirk you could still move the paddles on the opponent's side of the field but there was a top and bottom boundary and to me it looks like the controls would have been a little difficult because there's three knobs one for horizontal one for vertical and then i don't know how you managed to jump off of one of those knobs to do the english real quick in case you need to do that but
1: that's actually pretty true i didn't think about that
0: (laughs) yeah it just seems kind of weird and in one of the videos uh, or in the video where someone was taking a look at it they mentioned how like you gotta kind of maybe you're doing the claw grip like people do on the uh, xbox controllers now for speed runs yeah or something like (laughs) that (laughs) so for the graphics for this i gave it just a one out of ten it is impressive that it looks pretty decent for a home console but it's still just simple black and white graphics and no on-screen scoring and there's no Um, overlays what happened and no overlays which we were (laughs) giving them graphic points for whether we should have or not but it did uh make it a little bit more interesting at least Mm -hmm. but i did like that magnavox got the message and they said hey maybe our paddles shouldn't be squares and we should make them into lines
1: yeah no more
0: giant squares on the screens it looks like just pong
1: (laughs) yeah and i think also having the boundaries on the top and bottom meant that like if you were playing the, the odyssey like sometimes your paddle would just float off on the screen you had no idea where it's to-
0: <laughs> right I have to mash the reset button but yeah. now there's not a, a need for that as much to reset your thing cuz you can actually keep it on screen know what's going on
1: <laughs> and um I don't know if you know this or if you were able to look it up but for hockey did that have boundaries on the on the sides like it like did. hard boundaries yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. So it's sort of the version of like the hockey soccer ish games where it's the goal, basically. It's Pong, except there's a goal that you have to get it into.
1: Because I know with the first Odyssey, they had a hockey game, but it was basically like, you know, the center of each edge was the goal, but it wasn't like a hard goal. Like it could still just like pass up top and just keep going forever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It didn't actually matter. And it was just the overlay that was like, Hey, there's a net here you've got to trust
1: us. (laughs) Yeah, So it's good that they've got some more physics in it, I guess, in a way. Yeah.
0: They they were definitely taking a lot of notes from some of the other home systems and from, uh, just a lot of the pong cabinets that were happening at the same time. But it's nice that they were able to put that into their own home system and make a lot of improvements over what they had before. So for the sound, I gave it a 2 out of 10. The sound wasn't really super great, didn't have a lot going on, but I think it's pretty cool that they were able to do that sound on a home console, even if it is just simple beeps.
1: Yeah, and that, we can, uh, we can uh, take a listen to that too.
0: Yeah, so let's take a listen to this. Yeah. So it's pretty cool when you imagine that's coming out of the uh, space age console that you have sitting in front of you in the Mm -hmm. (laughs) seventies. And for the gameplay, I gave it a two out of 10. I think it's definitely a big improvement over the old Odyssey, but it's still pretty simple. And I think probably because if you're trying to make this cheaper home console and you want it to be kind of simple, it's hard for it to have the same functionality as a lot of the arcade cabinets. So when you're comparing it to those, it seems like, man, they're really behind the times, but it's just for a home console, they're always going to be a little bit behind because the arcade cabinets were just able to do so much more.
1: Yeah, they're so much bigger and more expensive, you know, to the point right. where an average person can't afford that. But, you yeah. know, the home consoles, they were for the average person, so.
0: Yeah, so it's. If I'm rating it just on the gameplay and how fun it was, that's where I gave it the two out of ten. But the idea that it's actually a home console means like the kind of gameplay it was giving you was actually pretty good for the time and something that you could do in your own home. Yeah. And for relevance, I did give it pretty low just because I think a lot of the systems that we covered at the end of 74, even though they were kind of released in Europe and I don't know if they were distributed to the US, but they did a lot of the same stuff already. So I only gave it a 2 out of 10. I like that it was a newer version of the Odyssey console, but also they have another one that's going to release very shortly after this one that might be slightly more relevant than this because it's a little bit, well, hopefully a little bit better than the Odyssey 100. Yeah, um, hopefully. But also, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see when we get to that one. But just because there were other consoles that kind of, it was a home console and it did the same thing, like the uh, Video Master, I think, if I'm getting the name right, or some of the other ones, I didn't think it was super relevant as a home system. Mm-hmm. But overall, I gave it a uh, 2 out of 10 rating. I think it's a cool console, and I do like the Odyssey. I have a soft spot for them because the first games were kind of horrible, and I like the overlays. Uh, So I do think this is pretty neat. But the control scheme looks like it was kind of hard to use, and it wasn't super innovative over what a lot of other home consoles were doing at the time. But overall, still a pretty good entry into the home video game systems of the time, I think.
1: Yeah. One one thing about it that I really find interesting is so the odyssey came out before pong right and the odyssey the table tennis version had the four directions you could go vertical and horizontal but then pong came out and it was only vertical so you're on the edges the whole time and up until this point there's been a lot of arcade cabinets that'll do one or the other but when they redid their console for the odyssey 100 i'm kind of surprised they stuck with their old version that went in all directions and not just the vertical. Cause I feel like that would have been easier to, to program and, and even reduce the price and stuff. But they have right. really yeah, believed in that.
0: You wouldn't need the extra movement either. Cause you'd be just doing vertical. So it would only be the knob for the vertical movement in the English. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if it was something that they, I mean, I guess you can see the mindset where you're like, well, why would we restrict the movement? But, there is that sort of sort of weird thing where it's like it kind of made the game better when you didn't have as many options in pong yeah, yeah,
1: I don't know. i just I think pong the the controls that it had are better than it being in all directions, especially when you can go to when you can accidentally go to the other side of, of the screen um, right, but I don't know. I just found that kind of I feel like it, it would it was harder to program, and they were still like, no, we want to do it so.
0: Yeah, yeah. It could have been. Maybe it was a uh, big sticking point for Ralph Baer or whoever was helping program it.
1: I mean, to be fair, like there were arcade machines that were still doing it and you know, they were the the one that did that first. So maybe for them it's like a big a staple of their brand, you know. Right,
0: kind of differentiates them.
1: Yeah. So I just find that a little interesting. Um yeah, I
0: think overall it's a, it's an interesting console, but why don't we move on to last honorable mention that you have
1: yes and this one's a doozy (laughs) but uh (laughs) one other thing about the odyssey though i quickly wanted to mention is oh yeah sorry no it's okay unlike the original magnavox odyssey these are the only games that come out with this because it didn't have cartridges so whatever was on the console is all that ever was released so it's just tennis and hockey for the odyssey 100 yeah that's it So (laughs) that's why we were able to kind of give the whole console a rating right now. So, but yeah, so moving on to my last honorable mention, it's last inning by Sega. And then they also had a, that was the cocktail table version. Oh no, that was the upright cabinet version. They had a cocktail table version called table baseball, but this is probably an electromechanical game, which is why I say it might be like a doozy. (laughs) I I (laughs) actually think it's kind of like a hybrid. But the core of the game is you've got, you know, your standard baseball setup. One person's a pitcher, one person's the batter. And unlike baseball by Ramtech, which is the one I don't think actually came out last year, <laughs> you can't move the outfield at all, and there's, like, no real animation. It's just, like, a ball being thrown, and the ball can do different things, which I'll explain in a sec. And then, like, the batter's just the batter's bat. There's no you know human person being animated or anything right so that's probably even more of an inkling that the last one probably didn't come out 74 but whatever (laughs) anyway the cool thing about this game is the pitcher had three different pitches they could pick from one that was like a fastball one that was like curveball so it was like slow and i think one maybe was like a slider and it moved in the middle i'm not too sure but they had three different pitches to try to throw the batter off and then the batter just basically had to time it correctly and You know, if it was out of the strike zone, they didn't have to go for it. But the uh, game ran for two innings long, so not that long, but I could kind of see that being a fun little thing that you would still feel like you got your two quarters worth. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one. The electromechanical part looks to be more on the cabinet where there's like lights popping up and, you know, sound effects that are not being generated from the game. Right, okay. But I do feel like, you know, making a ball like come down the center of the screen and then having a bat that hits it by pressing a button is probably pretty doable for video games at the time. So I want to say that part is a video game, but I can't be sure because we don't have great video of this. We don't have emulation. We just have a couple flyers and pictures and descriptions. So yeah, it's a little bit of a hard one to do, as is with actually quite a lot of the sort of uh, Japanese games that have come out, so it doesn't help that half the flyers are in Japanese, I'll tell you that right (laughs) (laughs) Um, a translator or something (laughs) at least it's Sega again, every time I see a Sega game, I'm like, this could be the one that, you know really makes them huge we're getting
0: hopeful for their big video game break (laughs) yeah
1: when they come out with sonic or whatever (laughs) Now,
0: absolutely yeah
1: (laughs) not yet i don't think i mean i think the game probably sold all right but it's not uh you know incredible so yeah i mean it's still like any baseball game it's probably gonna do pretty good i think
0: yeah both america and japan probably pretty popular
1: yeah and having the three different pitches you know, and, and just timing the bat right. I mean, you got your core baseball heart and soul right there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is an interesting one. Why don't you take us out on these last couple honorable mentions here, Wes? Yeah. So the uh,
0: next two that we have, the first one is Aztec TV Cocktail Table by PMC. And this one came out in March of 75. And basically, it's just a clone of hockey by Ramtech. We don't have much more information on that. And the next one is Inca TV Cocktail Table by PMC, which we have no info on, but given that it's Inca and Aztec, it's probably just a different version of the Aztec cabinet yeah. or cocktail table.
1: Yeah, it could have just been complete like marketing purpose. We don't yeah. really have any info on that.
0: Could be like Dr. Pong, you know, where it's just uh, they threw something on the front of the cabinet and... <laughs>
1: yeah, new game. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and that'll do it for us today i don't know how many games we covered i want to say like 20 so we're yeah, getting through them bit. getting through them a little by little but uh i hope you guys enjoyed this episode just as a quick recap wes and i talked about 1974 at the beginning talked about some of the best games and and worst from that year and then <laughs> um west covered sportorama by united billiards and odyssey 100 which was the console that came out sometime in the early part of 75. We don't know exactly when, but I think it was it's fair to say pretty early in the year. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool. We're yeah, going to get a strong into some, start to '75. Uh, yeah, it's nice to have a console in there because previously all the consoles were grouped up at the very end of the year like cuz right. of a holiday release, but I'll tell you right now in 1975 they were a lot more spaced out. So, it's, it'll be nice to see them every now and then. And then we also got a, another interesting thing uh, that was the first for this episode was the creative com- computing newsletter which we're going to see in the future as well. So that's also pretty cool I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. excited to see some more of those. I always like uh, playing some of the interesting computer games.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they, the, the first two that they had were actually fairly interesting I thought. So I just need to hire some programmer to run them. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. The first episode of 75, like I mentioned, there's probably going to be quite a few more. I don't know how many exactly, but um, there's a lot of really great games. I can positively say that because I just like looked at them like a couple hours ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, be, be ready because there's going to be a lot of stuff that will surprise us all, I think. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Be sure to check out our website, our Twitter, our email. I think that's it, right? I always that's like all we I got. forget something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's okay. that's we so, well, check out our MySpace now. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Hit us up on LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> what did they have Cover in 75? <laughs> yeah, send, send me a, a link on Cyber One, the Play Doh terminal. So, <laughs> no, don't do that. It'll take me like five hours to figure out how to open my inbox. So, that'd be bad. <laughs> all right. So, we'll see you guys next time. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.
0: See you next week.